The following episode contains adult content, violence, and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga, Episode 3, Mergers and Executions. Every kindred has three names. There's the name you're born with, the name you use in kindred society, and the name on the ID you hand the cops when they pull you over. Yes, when you see flashing red and blue lights in your rear view, the smart vampire pulls over. You might be inclined to snap their necks like twigs, but cops usually come in pairs. And dash cameras. Before you know it, you've got two dead cops on the side of the road, an APB out for your car, and a blood hunt hanging over your head for violations of the masquerade. It's easier to show the nice officer your ID, apologize for speeding, and be on your way. This is why choosing the right name is important. Eventually, that ID you had on you when you were embraced will expire. Or it'll say you're 60 when you look 25. Acquiring a false identity isn't hard. Between Toridor forgers, Ventru black marketeers, and Nosferatu hackers, fooling the IRS or Uncle Sam is just a matter of money or boons. All you have to do is pick the name. But that's the tricky part. Alright. A name like Jane Smith is innocuous, but suspiciously so. On the other hand, no one will ever forget a name like Wilhelmina Flagenheimer, which isn't great either. And if you pick a name like Samael Darkhammer or Crimson Blood Moon, your ID will be remembered, flagged by the NSA, and passed on to the Second Inquisition by sunrise. So, when they told me the eyewitness was a middling rock star named Lysander Valentine, I thought, how is this cat still alive? Leave it to the Torridor to get away with bullshit like this. Whoever that is, you better not be creeping outside my door. Titus Reed. They sent a courier over about me. Come in. Thanks for seat. <laughs> and now I get it. See, Torridor come in two types. Talented or pretty. Sometimes they're both, but never neither. Let's just say no one cares if this man can sing. Don't stand there catching flies, baby. He uses a lit cigarette in his hand to point at a cluttered couch that's seen better days near the door. I push aside empty Marlboro packs, a purple lace bra, and a boat shoe so I have enough room to perch in the front edge of it. The sheriff already talked to me about this. But my clanmate's life is at stake. Mm. So you understand why I might want to talk to the only eyewitness of my sire's murder. Well, as long as you don't hit me with any of that milk shit, I guess I have a few minutes before I go on. What were you doing outside Club Neptune? I was having a smoke. Can't smoke inside? Well, of course I can. But you ever flick a bick in a room full of vampires? One whelp loses their shit, and baby, I got a mass murder on my hands. I'm not gonna put that on my soul. But you have no problem with fire. <laughs> Two packs a day, bitch. Every day for 20 years. Did you know I had cancer? Terminal. 
Good thing I got embraced, so now every time I smoke, I step outside and take a big, long drag, look up at the sky and say, fuck you, nice try. Which is how you saw Aaron and Lawrence leave the club? Uh, no. I was on the side of the building, baby. They were in the back alley, but when they started yelling, I turned to look, you know, shit going down between two of your clan can get wild as fuck. What did they yell? I don't know. Lawrence yelled something. Then I turned the corner, and they were fighting. Fighting? Uh, yeah. They were hanging on to each other like two hogs humping through a screen door. Then Aaron kind of does this super quick sidestep thing and tosses Lawrence into the back of the SUV. Bitch, she shot him twice, which I guess was filled with fire rounds because Lawrence and the SUV, it went up like California in July. And then... Aaron chucks the weapon into the SUV, kicks the door shut, turns to look at me, then bamps. I assume, bolted. She saw you. Mm-hmm, she did. But she didn't try to kill you. T. I need you to lean in here, baby, if you're going to have trouble keeping up. I told you, bamfed, disappeared, got gone. Isn't that one of y'all special gifts? Why do I have to fucking explain this to you? I restrain the urge to hurt this person. I'm surprised you didn't run with a fire as bright as that. Don't waste my time if you aren't going to pay attention. Two packs a day, every day. That's my Zippo coming up to my face 40 fucking times a day, 280 times a week, 14,000 times a year. No milk barbecue from 50 feet away gonna scare me. Uh, five minutes to your on, Mr. Valentine. Five minutes to your on. Thank you, five. Sorry, T. That's my cue. Was Aaron wearing a wig? Ugh. With that sad, blood-stained costume she was. How blood-stained? Covered in it. From the fight with Lawrence? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe like I said, she tossed him in the back of the SUV and put two in his fucking chest. So where'd that blood come from? Who's to say? Now off with you. I need to hydrate. Ella! Where you at? Next on my list is Primogen Mendoza, which takes me to Port Saga University. His office and research fiefdom is in the Wyth building, the oldest building on campus. Coming back here, I feel like it's 1990, and I'm 18 again. I was a broken, confused music major and a chorus of broken, confused music majors. In three years, I drop out. In four, I drown my liver in vodka. And in five, I'm wrapping my Ford Escort around a stop sign. I never stood a chance. Enter. He has a utilitarian office. No family photos, no knickknacks. Instead, he has a phalanx of books on every shelf and a puzzle in mid-assembly spread out on a table. He stands over it with a piece in his hand. Read. Pick a piece. Join me. What's the puzzle? It's a mystery. My ghoul chose it for me. You don't know what it looks like. <laughs> what would be the challenge in that? I suspect it's an 18th century European painting. He's worked out about half the frame, 
along with a few finished clusters positioned like jagged islands waiting to come together. I don't know anything about art. No better way to learn than to begin. Here, take this. It has a spot of yellow. Match it to other pieces with the same and pull them to the side. Treat it like a smaller puzzle within a larger one. He puts the piece in my hand, and just like that, I'm hooked. A minute goes by as I hover over the table, pairing my spot of yellow against others. We work together for a bit in companionable silence. You had questions as part of your investigation? I did. Were you there that night at Club Neptune? I was. Did you see Aaron leave? I did. I saw her on the landline in the club's business office. She seemed troubled by the call and left. Do you remember when? A little after eleven. What were you doing in the club office? Not in. Near. I was waiting for Glass. He wanted to discuss city business. I thought he would be in his office, but he never showed. Then what happened? Bennett arrived shortly after. Closer to midnight, Aaron returned. What did she look like? The lighting made it difficult to see. Was she wearing a platinum wig? I believe so, yes. Ah, there it goes. Now, do you see the background there? I wonder if that is a curtain forming. I, uh, I found a wig near the crime scene. Interesting. I wonder, hmm. What's that? I wonder if you should speak with Glass. Why? Because he owns the club. Security for the gathering, including the surrounding area, would fall under his purview. Any cameras? Possibly. Do you think she did it? Why confess if she didn't? Someone could have messed with her mind. Like a Ventru? They certainly have the power to. They do. And Tremere. And Malkavians. But I take your point and forgive you for adding my name to your list of suspects. So, I think this is why different clans have similar powers of the blood. And it's not because of Cain or some curse from God. I think our talents evolved through natural selection. Suppose, for the sake of argument, vampires are cursed in one way or another. Vampires who develop survival skills live long enough to pass those advantages down the line. For example, if our survival hinges on our ability to blend in with the human population, vampires who can blend in will live longer than those who can't. Now, take a vampire who, when turned, is disfigured by the blood. You're thinking Nosferatu, right? Natural selection suggests those who can hide their appearance live longer than those who can't shake the mobs carrying torches and pitchforks. So you have to wonder, which came first, the curse or the clan? Is clan Nosferatu and their skill at hiding their disfigurements just the result of a spontaneous supernatural mutation that gave ugly vampires a survival advantage? Or take Malkavians, out-of-our-mind lunatics. Rationality makes us... Easy targets. And we don't always make good choices. Now, what do prey animals have that predators don't? Eyes on the sides of their head. So nothing sneaks up on them and eats them. So look at me. Not being completely unshocked that Malkavians have excellent senses. 
can hide, and can fuck with people's heads to control and confuse the mobs that hunt them. This idea of predator talents versus prey talents is also where I think we get this high clan, low clan bullshit. But that's a different rant for a different night. Uh, I've been treating Aaron's dissociative disorder for some time. I believe the catalyst is early childhood trauma, but the nature of Malkavian blood has exacerbated her inability to cope. I suspect this may apply to the rest of your clan as well. What kind of trauma? Any, really. Physical, emotional, psychological. Like a kid imprisoned for years? Curiously specific example, but yes. That would certainly qualify as trauma. For those with dissociative fugue, it is their way of coping with extreme emotional stress. They become unable to attach memories to specific times and locations. In essence, their brain stops recording. It pushes pause on the tape for hours, days, sometimes weeks. Could someone drive while in a fugue state? Have you ever driven to a familiar location and arrived with no memory of the trip? Sure, but Aaron's actions had forethought planning, strategy. She threw Lawrence into a car, set him on fire, and then trapped him in it. When she was spotted, she disappeared to avoid capture. Ah, spot of yellow. I think these pieces fit. Well done. I've seen her have episodes before. They were always short, a few hours tops, and never, never that coordinated. Remember, she's kindred. Her brain carries no electrical stimuli, not like a living one. And the psychological disorders are made more complicated because she belongs to a clan that, no offense, encourages this state of being. You assume there is a set of rules to her instability. There isn't. There can't be. She alone determines her state of being. Then why bother helping her? Because I was asked. And because it never hurts for the sheriff to owe you a favor. Rebel asked for your help? She did. Do you happen to know? Enter. Delivery for Professor Nettle. Thank you. The courier hands Dante a beige package. Inside is a blood-red envelope. Professor Nettle? Pseudonym for the courier service. I am being summoned. By? Prince Hale. She calls the Primogen to witness Aaron's execution. What? I thought we had a week. Obviously, something has changed. This is bullshit. Reed, pull yourself together. I want to help, Aaron, so I want to help you. Glass is coming with a car. I will vouch for you to accompany us. Thank you. Save your thanks. Don't make me regret the invitation. Unlike Everhart's broken down truck, the Ventru Primogen's SUV smells of leather and luxury. A driver, undoubtedly a ghoul, moves through traffic with precision. Dante rides shotgun. I'm behind the driver. And to the right of me is Primogen Glass jotting down figures in what looks similar to a reporter's notebook, but is probably ten times more expensive. He and I met a few times while he was Hale's whip, but only really know each other in passing. This guy. This guy. I will never forget this one time. I saw three Anarchs coming in hot for him. 
I thought I would have no choice but to go in there and rescue him and potentially lose my own life for it, but this guy. Sure enough, by the end of the night, the trio walked away peacefully and handed Glass 50 grand to invest. My sympathies for your loss. Lawrence and I were friends, he said without looking up from his notebook. You, uh, weren't at the funeral. Couldn't be helped. If I attended the funeral of every kindred I knew, I'd never get anything done. But what? You make exceptions for executions? Now he puts the pen down. This isn't an exception. It's a summons. What's the issue? Construction. Do we need to make a call? Not yet, sir. Traffic's still moving, albeit slow. Fine. Glass, Reed here has some questions he'd like to ask about the night at Club Neptune. Go ahead. We appear to have the time. You own Club Neptune? I do. Is there any security footage from the club that night? Of course not. That would be a violation of the masquerade. What about cameras in the general area? Side streets, stoplights? Yes, but the servers were down for maintenance that evening. That's convenient. It's practical. Are you trying to insinuate something? Not yet. Read. It's all right. I don't mind. You got any witnesses saying I was involved, kid? No. Any hard evidence? No. There's your answer. If I'd wanted Lawrence dead, I know people. I wouldn't hire some amateur to set up a bonfire in the middle of downtown. Which I had to clean up, by the way. Ask yourself who had the most to gain. Who's sitting in his chair right now? Ezra wouldn't have done that. Yeah? Lawrence and Ezra were lovers. <laughs> because lovers have never killed each other. You wouldn't use Aaron like that. Maybe she and Ezra were working together. I'm starting to think she was manipulated and framed. Maybe that's just what she wants you to think. If anyone had a motive to kill Lawrence, it was Aaron McKenna. What motive? No one told you. Wow. Wow. Ezra has you on a goose chase. What motive? Aaron came back broken from Moonlight Bay. A couple of years ago, when she was on her feet again, she started working with the sheriff on some secret project. Very bloody. Very hush-hush. Lawrence decides to intervene. He forces her to quit working with the sheriff to be his gopher and driver. He has her driving him from here to there, fetching packages at all hours of the night. She hates it, of course. So one night, we're in the middle of a primogen meeting, and she kicks in the door, stomps to the table, slams this package down in front of Lawrence and says, Here, your majesty. <laughs> Lawrence demands an apology. She tells him to go fuck himself. Then she says we can all go fuck ourselves. If she'd had her head on straight, she would have seen Prince Hale, who had dropped in for an update, at the other end of the table. She realized her predicament. Lawrence demanded she offer restitution for the insult. She left that meeting up to her eyeballs in boon debt. The next night, she set fire to the Sunrise Park Rec Center, killed a janitor in the process. Which, I mean, hey, who cares? Well, Lawrence cared. He even approached the prince asking to sanction her for endangering the masquerade. Did she? Didn't get a chance. Two nights later, we're at Club Neptune. But was she going to? You can ask her yourself. We're here. 
Good luck, kid. Hope you get your man. By the time security clears me to be on the boat, the argument is in full swing. Prince Hale, Sheriff Everhart, Ezra, Mendoza, Glass, Voight, and there's Aaron, staked, laid out on a table. You promised. Princes don't promise, we declare. Bullshit. You said you would take a week to consider- Circumstances have changed, Sheriff Everhart. What circumstances? Are we assembled? Yes, though I don't see Zelda. I'm here. Zelda appears as a black-veiled mourner wearing full widow's weeds made from silk, bombazine, and crepe. Usher, report. The Banu Hakim also suddenly appears. The Second Inquisition is here. They struck during the day. Where? The Eagle Scouts. No. All of them? Yes. All four. We knew it was only a matter of time. Who are the Eagle Scouts? A coterie of neonates. Their haven burned to the ground. Sheriff Everhart, make this your priority. Find those responsible. Miss Voigt, please assist. Of course. Primogen Glass, I need you to quash the police investigation. I can try, but that's three fires in a week. Do what you can. In light of these circumstances, we must deal with Miss McKenna. Excuse me, what is happening? Mr. Reed, you are not supposed to be in my city. The sheriff gave me two extra nights. Is that right? Yes. And I vouch for his presence here tonight. Very well. Port Saga faces two significant threats. The escalating situation with the Thinbloods, and these recent acts of arson have attracted the attention of the Second Inquisition. We must consider evacuating the city. What? No, this cannot be an option. It is not unreasonable to consider. This did not come from a betrayal, but the sloppiness of petty disputes. I say we go to ground and let the SI think they found an isolated nest. When all is quiet, they will move on. Or point them at the Anarchs in Moonlight Bay. That could spill over to the Camarilla of the Bay while they are already embattled. Primogen Zelda, if we consider your plan, what can you lend Primogen Glass for the masquerade? That depends on what he's willing to pay. This is an all-hands moment, Zelda. I will remember your attempt to price gouge my clan while the lives of every kindred in my city hang in the balance. I must not have communicated as clearly as I had intended. My faults entirely. Clan Nosferatu does not always have a wealth of resources as others do. Therefore, should Clan Ventru have the means, we could make arrangements for all the assistance you can afford at a fair market price. Good. Given the effect this decision would have on Port Saga, I am open to considering the Primogen Council's votes. Those in favor of evacuation, say aye. 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 Those opposed, say nay. Nay? Nay. Glass. Nay. Oh, thank God. Prince Hale, the Primogen Council has 
decided against evacuation. Accepted. All gatherings are hereby suspended. Any use of electronic devices will be viewed as a violation of the masquerade unless you have acquired permission from me. Inform your clans. What about Aaron? Miss McKenna violated the first and sixth traditions. She set fire to a building that killed a mortal. She set fire to a car and murdered a sitting member of the Primogen Council. She has confessed to these crimes and, under my authority as prince, I hereby declare- Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Forgive me, your majesty. Yes, Primogen Glass. If you're going to do what I think you're going to do, I just remind everyone that Ms. McKenna owes a substantial number of boons to the Primogen Council. Our debts die with us, Primogen Glass. Unless you're suggesting that owning a boon from a confessed criminal outweighs the safety of the masquerade. No, of course not. Good. Under my authority as prince, I hereby declare Aaron McKenna of Clan Malkavian a traitor to the Camarilla and sentenced to final death. Sheriff Everhart, carry out the execution immediately. No. Pardon? I won't do it. You're refusing to carry out my order. I guess I am. Very well. You're relieved. Sheriff Usher. What? Execute my command. The Bono Akeem moves with such speed he's a blur as he draws a sword and brings it down with precision. Rebel vibrates with barely controlled rage. I'm... I'm not even sure what just happened. I'm not angry as so much as I'm, I'm dismayed. Spindly gray veins spread over Aaron's skin as she decays from the inside out. And in the span of a breath, she's gone. Two closest people I have had to family are gone. A chill runs through me like cold electricity, and the sound of crushed ice crackles in my ears. Do you hear it? Inform your clans. We are adjourned. Prince Hale. Sheriff Usher. Yes, Prince. Remove Mr. Reed from my city. Yes, Prince. Wait. Choose your words very carefully, Mr. Reed. I ask your permission to be a resident of Port Saga. Request denied. I offer a trivial boon. Denied. Sheriff Usher. A minor boon, then. Two major. One major. Two major. <sighs> Two major. Request granted. Welcome to Port Saga. Vampire the Masquerade, Port Saga. Created by Rachel J. Wilkinson with voice performances by Dayin Geist, Kat Mermelstein, Kalina Anderson, 
Andrew Alandi, Ryan Omega, Riley Silverman, Greg Berry, Aaron Ducky Lorette, Rachel J. Wilkinson, Brad Hardwick, Matthew Webb, Luke Hales, and Janika Rector. Portions of this podcast are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with permission. All rights reserved. For more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com.